Welcome back, everyone, to Season 3 of the Axe Church Podcast. This season will be a little different from the previous two seasons in that it will be an archive of sermons and Bible studies from the past several years. We see this as an opportunity to create a source for learning, a library of study that you can tune into and listen to wherever you listen to podcasts. Our hope is that you will learn and grow in your relationship with God and receive the revelation of truth. God bless, and we hope you enjoy. I'm so proud of what God is doing. Amen? I dare the devil to raise his head. I just like to see the Lord slap him down. Scott, good to see all you guys. You and Vicky and Jeff. Missed y'all last Sunday. Good to have you here today. <sighs> Papa made a, a wonderful statement here. I don't know if it was at prayer meeting a couple of weeks ago or during service. He said, you can't have a miracle without a great need. The greater the need, the greater the miracle. Amen? God's awesome. Uh, I, uh, you know, I just believe that God's going to meet every need according to his riches and glory. And, you know, we, we're quick to bring the needs before everybody and say, you know, you know, oh, God, a couple of weeks ago, you know, we've been asking for a job for Rod for a while and then. Chris loses his job and, and looks kind of bleak for William and different things start happening. And I'm thinking, Lord, what in the world is going on here? I, you, what if it start a church? And then when the Lord starts meeting the need, I think we ought to be just as, as, as vocal about God's blessing. Amen. Rod's got a job now that ultimately will, he will be making more money than where he was at before. Isn't that great? God's great. And then, oh, Sefi, Sefi got an offer. Seth, how long have you been working at your job now? A year. In a year's time, they done offered him the supervisor position, offering him a $2 an hour raise, and he's going to be running his shift. <laughs> Ain't that awesome? God's awesome. I'm telling you what. Other miracles and things that God's doing on our behalf, I'm telling you, I'm just so excited. This word is true, folks. This word is true. You can live by this. Not only that, you can die by this. Woo! I, I can't wait to preach today. I'm sorry. I didn't get to preach last week, and I'm just bubbling. <laughs> oh, man. Well, praise God. Well, we finished our lessons on pride and um, if you did not catch the last couple of lessons, I do encourage you to please get the CDs because that the last couple of lessons was the remedy, uh, scriptural antidote, the scriptural remedy uh, for battling against that. So the last two lessons are really most important, so that way you'll understand. I, I want to begin something that's so important, and to those of you that have sat under my ministry for any length of time, You've heard this uh, time and time and time again, and I know it seems to be elementary, uh, but I'm going to get really, really deep in it before we're over with. But this is the most, in my opinion, this is the most crucial uh, thing that you've got to learn in walking with God. How many of you want to walk with God? I want to be pleasing, and I need to learn this 
And so I'm going to touch on some things that all of you have heard, but I'm going to get a lot deeper than what all of you, uh, most of you probably have ever heard before. But I, I'm going to start uh, a series today on prayer. I want to, uh, and today we're going to get into how to pray, just how to pray. We need to learn how to communicate with God. Prayer is not, uh, 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 prayer cannot be looked at as a have-to deal. Prayer needs to be looked at as a get-to deal. It's a get-to. There's a song that Jeff and Sherry Easter sing. Uh, it's so good. And it starts off, he said, when I was a kid, uh, I had to get up and go to get ready for church on Sunday, and I had to mow the yard, and I had to do all this stuff, you know. And, and he said, uh, and when he gets to the chorus, he says, now I get to wake up early, I get to go to work, I get to, I get to mow my, since my dad's heart attack, I get to mow his yard, I get to spend time with him, and uh, that's the way prayer needs to be, it needs to be a, something that you look forward to, uh, you know, it, to those of you that are married, um, do, you, do you dread talking to your spouse, uh, I, I, do you? I, now, I know some of us guys plan on getting our wives around other women during the day so that way they can get their 10,000 words in, uh, so that way we can have a little peace and quiet. I understand. You know, women have to speak 10,000 words a day, and men only have to speak 1,000. That's funny right there. I don't care who you are. That's funny. <laughs> Too truthful to be funny. <laughs> But if you if you always was was dreading, man, I gotta talk to my spouse. Oh, God. You come pulling up the driveway. Oh God, I gotta talk to her again. <laughs> or you see the truck come. To, oh God, he's home. You mean I got to listen to him again? You wouldn't have much of a marriage. And that's what prayer is. It is communication between you and your covenant partner. God is a covenant-keeping God. And prayer is communication with heaven. That's what it is. And so it does not need to be dreaded. It does not need to be forced upon you. All right, you're going to do this. When you break over into the realm of prayer, it's something you look forward to. And so if you're not there yet, and, and don't sit here and lie to me and say, oh, I'm already there. I love to pray because ain't, ain't, not all of us are there. Because I'll be honest with you, there's been times that I ain't been there. Times I didn't want to pray. Come up with every excuse in the book not to pray. Who, who will be honest and lift your hand and say you've done the same thing? Very good. All right, at least I don't have to preach against lying today. Okay. It's just the truth of the matter. And so I, I, want, I want to get us to the point to where we want to pray. And when we get to that point where we look forward to the prayer time with God, that's when things begin to happen. So let's turn James chapter 5. Let's go to James chapter 5 and verse 13. And I want to give you some basics today and try to get started on this study. And I really want to escort you through... Uh, how to pray, okay? James chapter 5, and we're going to begin reading at verse number 13. 
Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. How many of you, the devil has afflicted you? What about life? Not the devil. Let's don't blame the devil. I've been reading, uh, Brother Barnes wrote a book years and years ago, and I was reading a little bit of his book this morning, and, and he said, you know, there are people that see the devil everywhere. He said, the people come to me all the time and say, well, I, I see the devil. There's a devil in my house, and I see the devil in my dreams, and I, everywhere I go, the devil's on my shoulder. He said, one lady come up to him in camp meeting and said, the devil's on my shoulder, and he's talking to me. He said, okay, in Jesus' name, I rebuke him. He said, okay, he's gone. She said, well, I still feel him. He said, these people are too devil conscious. He said, if we could be as God conscious as we are devil conscious, that's good. God is omnipresent, which means he's everywhere present at the same time. So we don't need to be scared of the devil when he can only be at one place at one time. We need to realize that God has never left. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll go with you always, even to the end of the world. That's what Jesus said. Amen? So he said, is there any sick among you? If life has just uh, afflicted you and you're sick, is there any married? Let him sing psalms. Is there any sick among you? Verse 14, let him call for theirs of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another. If you don't have anything to pray for, pray for me. Amen? And let me say this, and I'm going to throw it off on my wife, because this, it's mine too, but it's a bigger one for hers. This is my wife's pet peeve. She said one of my biggest pet peeves is, is when people that have lived for God for years and years and years, and when altar service is given and altar call is given, they don't go pray at the altar. Blows her and my mind too because everybody has got something to pray for. If you don't need salvation, just because you get up out of your pew and go to the altar don't mean that you've been a dirty, rank sinner all week long. It just means that I want to get a little closer to the fire, and I want God to touch me, and I want to get under the spout where the glory comes out. And if you don't have anything to pray for, I'm sure you've got a child that needs prayer or a grandchild or a pastor or somebody in your life. You've got something to pray for. So every time these altars are open, you need to get up and make a conscious effort to go to the pew or go to the altar or go somewhere close and kneel down and just talk to Jesus for a little while. Is that too hard? Because it's important to pray. Amen? Watch this. Confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. This is the point I want to get to, verse 16. The effectual Fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Now, that's a mouthful. Prayers that are effectual or take effect. There's too many prayers that don't have any power and they don't take effect. I want my prayers to have effect on heaven when I open my mouth. I want my prayers to shake the gates of hell when I begin to pray. Well, how does that happen? Well, it's when I pray fervently and I have to be a righteous man. The effectual fervent prayer of a... 
I'm blown away at all these people that want all these people to pray for them when they get saved. I want, I'm going to call everybody everywhere, everybody I know. I want everybody praying for me. And it, I want you praying for me, you praying for me, you praying for me over here. And, oh, man, I want you praying for me. And they ask all these people that don't have a walk with God and that live like a bunch of devils to pray for them. If somebody's living like the devil and they're not walking in covenant with God, their prayers ain't got much power. I'm just going to be honest with you. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that God does not hear sinners. Only the, the only prayer that, a, that he hears of a sinner is that of a repentant prayer. Huh? He was praying repentantly before God. He was praying. He, he was giving alms. He was being faithful. He was doing everything he can. And he was praying before God according to the Mosaic law, according to the Old Testament, he was doing everything he could. And so God, because of his prayer, God sent him a preacher. And so the Bible tells us God does not hear sinners. So it's very important that we have righteous people. We live righteous lives because if we live righteous and we are fervent in our prayer, then our prayers take effect. Verse 17, Elias or Elijah was a man uh, subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. So, I want to have effectual prayers toward God, don't you? So, let's learn how to pray. How can we get to the point to where we pray that things take effect? So, I want to go through these seven R's to prayer, all right? I want to go through these seven R's to prayer and kind of just give you an idea of why we pray. Number one, number one, the first reason why we pray is repentance. First Corinthians 15 and 31. Let's go to first Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 31. Now, this is the Apostle Paul. This is the Apostle Paul, and this is what he says. He said, I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. That's what repentance is. It is a death, a death to self. It is the cross. Jesus said, if any man wants to follow me, let him first deny himself Pick up the cross and follow me. So it's a daily choice. The Apostle Paul says, every day I'm going to die. So what's he saying? Every day I've got to repent. Every day I want to kill this old man. Okay? So the first reason why we pray is repentance. The second reason why we pray, relationship. I want to maintain a relationship with God. Let's go to Psalms chapter 63. Psalm 63, verses 1 through 4. 63, 1 through 4. This is David speaking, of course. O God, thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory 
so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. David is talking about a relationship, an understanding of God. I want to see you. I want to know you. I want to have a relationship with you. We pray for relationship. Why do you continually talk to your spouse? Why did you did you take her out or him? Did y'all go out uh, on on a date and you just introduce each other? Well, my name. Hi, my name is Anthony. And 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 what's your name? Well, my name is Cindy. Well, it's nice to meet you. And you go get something to eat. And you didn't say another word the whole time. And every time you went pick her up on a date, you never said a word to each other. So then you got married. I don't know how that happened, but say you got married. And you never said a word. Then she wouldn't know anything about you. You wouldn't know anything about her. Ain't that right? So how did I learn about her past? How did I learn about what she likes and what she don't like? How did I learn? By the words that come out of her mouth, by conversating one to another. And the more we talk, the more I learn about her. I know stuff about her. When we go to a restaurant, I mean, uh, when we first got married, bless her heart, she, she didn't know much about restaurant eating. And so I exposed her to all kinds of, 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 uh, of, uh, Chinese and Japanese and all these other eases of restaurants. And she go in there and she say, she look at the menu. I don't know what to order. I don't have a clue. To this day, when we go to a restaurant, I took her to Applebee's for the first time or Chili's or TGI Fridays or we go to a new restaurant. I don't even hardly give her a menu. I order for her. Now, I know the waitress. I know what's going through her mouth. I can see the look in her eye. They think I'm a male chauvinistic pig that won't let my wife order for herself. I know what she's thinking. But, you see, I know what my wife likes. And so nine times out of ten, is this not the truth? Nine times out of ten, I order for my wife. We'll go to a new restaurant. I order for her. I know, I know how she likes her tea. I know what she likes. I know what she don't like. How did I know that? Because I spent time with her, because I've communicated with her, because I've observed her. You're never going to learn anything about God until you spend some time with God, until you talk with God on a daily basis. And then finally, you'll get to the point in your relationship with God that you don't have to ask the preacher and you don't have to run to the Word of God every time something comes up in life of should I or shouldn't I. You automatically know what pleases God and what doesn't please. God, and it don't have to be spelled out in the word for you. Thou shalt not do this because you know in your heart that God don't want you to do that. I'm trying not to preach yet. But it comes through communication, time spent with God, relationship, relationship. I'm out of time already. We got through two. We got five more to go. I've been praying I've been praying lately, Lord, I just want to walk with you, Lord. I just want to walk with you. I wrote in my journal this morning, I, Amos says, can two walk together except they be agreement? I want to walk with you, Lord. And for me to walk with you, I got to be in agreement with you. Because you're God and you set the pace and you decide the destination. And, I, you know, we got a lot of people... They want God to walk with them. 
Lord, you walk with me. I want you to hold my hand and you walk with me and we're going to go my speed, my pace, where I want to go and I want you to bless everything I'm doing. That's not what the word says. Enoch, God didn't walk with Enoch. Enoch walked with God. I want to walk with him and say, Lord, you show me where you're going and let me get an agreement with you and then I'll go however you want to go, as fast as you want to go. So, hey, I am just itching, dying, salivating, yearning, earning, burning, wanting to start building this church. There ain't nobody here more pumped and ready to start building over there than this guy. Nobody here. I'm ready, okay? We're not waiting on me. We're waiting on God in God's timing. Hey, this thing's been coming for 60-some-odd years. God knows what he's doing, when he's going to do it, and I'm just backing up and saying, okay, God, I'm taking my hands off the wheel. You drive the car, and I know as long as you're in control, everything's going to be all right. We'll arrive where we're supposed to arrive on time in the will of God. Amen? Let's stand to our feet and let's pray that the Lord would help us learn how to pray. Can we do that? Lord Jesus, we're so thankful and grateful for your word. We're so thankful and grateful, Lord, for the power of prayer.